When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to a Monday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. I'm your host, Kian Sobani. This is Managing Madrid's version of El Dia Después, where Lucas Navarrete and I, we discuss lingering talking points from Real Madrid's game over the weekend. And it took a bit of a hiatus because Lucas was in the United States of America. Of course, in my opinion, timed poorly because he missed Real Madrid's preseason tour, but he did some other cool things. Uh, it's nice to have Lucas back. Lucas, what's up, buddy? Thanks, Kian. I'm happy to be back after my two-week trip. I'm still with a bit of jet lag and all, but very happy to be back and in the loop, even though obviously I had a, a great time in the States. Highlights. Give us all the juice. Where did you land? Where did you end up? What did you do in between? My trip consisted on five days in New York City. Uh, then we went on a bit of a road trip uh, down south with a three-day trip on our way to Miami, which was like our second uh, stay, long stay in the States. So we stopped in a place in North Carolina called uh, Rocano, uh, Rocano Rapids, I think it was called, just because it made sense from a... Um, from a pure driving and, and resting uh, perspective. Yeah. Our second day, we stopped in Charleston. We met uh, Managing Madrid Patreon and, and friend Leon Stavrinakis uh, there for a, for a great barbecue. And I, I got to thank him for, for his hospitality, both him and, and his wife, Anne. Great time. Had a great time with them. And uh, the next day, we headed to the Daytona towards the NASCAR race in, in, the, in, the, in the raceway there. And then after that, we made uh, our way to, to Miami. And I spent uh, a few days with my cousin who lives there in Miami. So, yeah, got kind of the full experience. That's pretty good. I mean, you pretty, I mean, with that road trip, you get quite a bit of USA diversity, right? Right, right. Uh, well, did, you, did you stay in Times Square or... Like in yeah, Manhattan? yeah, pretty close to Times Square. I think it was in what the was 39th. Your on Times Square? 
Well, I, I have been there before, like okay. 15 years ago or something like that. So I wasn't as shocked and, and impressed as uh, as my fiance, who obviously uh, had a great time watching all the lights and the commercials and all that. It was busy, man. I didn't I didn't remember it as as busy as uh, as it was uh, maybe this time of the year or whatever. But it was packed, and I obviously don't like uh, crowded places that much. But uh, yeah, it was. It's obviously a very impressive place uh, to visit. So yeah. There's a lot happening. It's a lot of stimulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. there's a lot of interesting people as well. There's yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a very crazy place. For me, it was like I saw it once, and then I, ironically, I ended up seeing it a few times. But every time, I was like, ah, this is. I I I started to explore outside New York a little bit, and I started to kind of you know just see some some other cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, Miami. Did you stay in South Beach? No, I stayed in um, Western Florida, which is like thirty-minute drive uh, to Miami. It's okay. a, bit, a bit on the on the western side of Miami, maybe closer to the Everglades and all that. That's where my cousin lives. And visited Miami Beach for a day or so. The beach is fantastic, man. I, I didn't expect the the whole beach experience to be as great as it is coming from Valencia and all that. But man, the, that weather! I complain a lot about Valencia weather. Wow, that's uh, an entirely different level, man. It's just mm, 8 a.m. in the morning and it's like an oven there. It's I didn't expect it to be that bad. It's uh, really uncomfortable, man. It's just, you're sitting there and you're sweating all the time, which is also what I used to say about Valencia, but it's on an entirely yeah. different category. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. The, the weather there in, in the summer is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I was in Houston for preseason, it was disgusting. Like it's like on the water. And it's like also desert heat and then humidity is absolutely disgusting. Uh, all right. Well, since you've, you've been gone two weeks, I think, um, more or less, a lot has happened since your last podcast appearance. We've had the transfer window close. We've had fan base meltdowns. We've <laughs> had dramatic. We've had at least two dramatic. Bellingham game winners. Uh the return of the Bernabeu. Uh that's probably like the most important stuff, if I'm not mistaken. So where do you want to start? Maybe transfer deadline, transfer talk, lack of transfer, if you will. Uh, makes sense. It surprised me a little bit to see Real Madrid finishing the transfer window without a, a proper striker being signed. Really? I feel like you of all people like were kind of warning us that this I, would happen. I could see, it. yeah, yeah, I could see it coming. But uh, on the other hand, I wanted to believe that Florentino would not allow this to happen, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I can already see Jose Lu being the scapegoat for the for the rest of the season. And if anything goes wrong for Madrid, and I tweeted the other day or posted on X. However, you wanna you say it now. Anyway, I, I tweeted the other day that I refuse to to criticize Jose Lu for any kind of big mistakes he might commit during the rest of the season because this will not be his fault. He's a role player, and that's who he should be for Real Madrid during the rest of the season. In my opinion, the fact that he's now going to be the starter for Real Madrid for pretty much two months until Vinicius comes back is definitely not ideal. And this is def- this should not be his role. This is not the kind of player he is. And I'll applaud him for for his commitment and his uh, effort whenever he's on the pitch. And if 
he misses some sitters or big chances for the team. I refuse to engage in any kind of huge criticism uh, about him because, again, the fact that he's starting for Real Madrid or that he's having a, a big role for Real Madrid is not his fault. You're completely right. I'm glad you sent that message on Twitter, too. I saw it as well. Um, none of this is his fault. And to his credit, he first of all, he is a Madridista, and he's working his ass off. Like yeah. you, you even think back to the Celta game where he wins the header, the far post, it goes to a corner, Bellingham scores from the corner, and then in this game, he's working really hard to like just get to any rebound he can. You know, to, he's a fighter; he's fighting. You have to respect that. It's not his fault that he's in this position. Um, it's not his fault that he is starting for Real Madrid now. Um, and it is what it is. I can I provide some maybe a glass half full <clears throat> take on him starting over the next X amount of games until Vinicius comes back. And he may he may not start all of them. Maybe there will mm-hmm. be games where Ancelotti will I mean, what's the alternative? Brahim? Brahim Rodrigo, Bellingham, something like that. You might see yeah. it. Um <clears throat> He scored 16 goals last season in La Liga, La Liga uh, a, with a team with inferior creative ability. So now he's got some genius creators around him. Um, and the schedule over the... What's what's the date you think he'll, Vinny will be back? It was reported six weeks of an injury. I don't know how many of those have passed already. Maybe two. Um, no, just one, right? He, just he, one. he was in Celta, yeah. So it, it's just one. Let me check the schedule real quick. So mm. that puts him back roughly second second week of October. Right, he's gonna miss the derby for sure. Yeah, he. Oh, yeah. He, so my guess is there's another international break in October. I think his first game back, my guess would be Sevilla, October twenty right. second. Correct. Correct. I agree. Juan. Right. So. Is he the, good enough? Big, excuse me. The biggest two games he's missing is Napoli away and the derby against Atletico away as well. Yeah, those are the biggest two games he's missing. Is he good enough to? I mean, look, we signed him uh, to contribute. He's better than Mariano. He's better than Jovic. Let's be honest, as Absolutely. a contributor, right? So, I mean, he's already done more than Jovic basically did. As harsh Absolutely. as that sounds, um, so. Is it good enough to start against Real Sociedad, Union Berlin, Las Palmas, Girona, Osasuna? It should be. Should be. Um, Atletico and Napoli will be a little bit tougher. And again, I don't know if he starts all of those games. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But we got we to gotta kind of ride his back a little bit here and just trust in him and hope he can, he can contribute as much as possible. And hey, maybe this is exactly what he needs. Um, because if he's going to go back to the bench when Vinicius comes back, which will probably happen, mm-hmm. then now he has maybe a string of confidence. Maybe he scores a few goals in this stretch. And then later on in the season, if you need to bring him on in the Champions League, you know, he's more of a polished, confident player. I'm just trying to look at it in the most positive angle possible. And that's that's what I'm hoping for. I think that the chance he missed on that uh, first half... Uh, the other day against Getafe, got in his head a little bit. Mm. And luckily enough, Real Madrid, man, not only he managed to score, 
the the equalizer, which was obviously huge, but also the fact that you know that missed chance didn't cost the team any points. I think will will do well for his confidence. I think, and I don't think his confidence will be um, will affect him much uh, during the rest of the season. I think the effort is going to be there at all times, and I, I'm not worried about him, the mental aspect of the of the game with him. I'm just worried about obviously him not being a Real Madrid starting caliber player. That's that's the main issue with him. But yeah. again, that's not his fault. Yeah, that's not his fault. Um, <clears throat> what did you what did you um want to address from the game itself? Um, I'm curious to know what your thoughts were of the whole thing. I mean, we were playing literally against a, a team created by Satan. Like, <laughs> I've never experienced such an evil encounter. <laughs> It was tough to watch on, on one hand, obviously very frustrating to watch that first half with uh, with the referees being such a big factor, you know, I didn't, it was crazy. It was as if Real Madrid were playing away because they weren't allowed to play the same style as Etafe were playing, the same physical style. Mm. So that that's one thing. Obviously, Fran Garcia's mistake was bad. The fact that Ancelotti took him out uh, at halftime maybe it speaks volumes about you know how vulnerable his spot as a starting left back is at this point. I think he's been the main talking point uh, after that game. I'm not I'm not concerned about him. I think he had been making steady progress during those first three games of the season until that big mistake happened. Hopefully that big mistake is not mm, something that comes up too often. But people seem to be... My main thought of uh, after that uh, mistake is that people seem to be very worried all, at all times about how weak the, the, the right-back spot is. And to me, last season and also the start of this season, the left-back has been even weaker, you know, and people don't seem to bring it up that often because they seem to think that Mendy and, and Frank Garcia, well, Frank wasn't around last year, but they seem to think that Mendy is more reliable than, than Carvajal was. And to me, Carvajal last year was mostly fine. He's been, and he's been pretty good this season, also deserving and getting some credit from Ancelotti. So Carvajal deserves a little bit of, um, a, a little bit more credit than what he's been getting, in my opinion, during this uh, start of the season. And on the other hand, maybe the left-back spot isn't as uh, great as we thought it would be now that Fran Garcia is around. We'll have to, to wait and see. I think this big mistake might uh, stall he, the progress he's making a little bit. Mendy, the Mendy situation worries me the most. I actually worry more about Mendy than I do about Fran Garcia. Same. It's like with people will still say like, oh, Mendy's guys, Mendy is amazing defensively. I'm, I, and I'm, I just want to like my, that was two years, years ago, ago. <laughs> two or three years ago. Like Yo. that's not what, that's not the timeline we're in right now. It's kind of no. like saying Sergio Ramos is the greatest defender of all time. Yeah, but he was. And so like, Maybe that's an exaggeration. My point is like we haven't seen that from Mendy in good two years because he gets injured and he comes back and he's not himself defensively and then he gets injured again. So I just need to see it now from Mendy so like, so that I can actually agree with these people that this is the version of Mendy we have right now. 
Um, I'm I'm interested to talk about Fran Garcia with you because yep. Uh, well, what's what's your what's your take? Like, cause that, to me, like I think he's just a player who's still working through some some nerves, and he'll be okay. But I don't know if you have a different take than that. I agree. I also think I mostly agree with you. What concerns me a little bit is his lack of poise and composure so far, maybe. He appears to be a little bit too much out of control out there, in my opinion. I'm also, and this is not, this first thing I just said is uh, something he can maybe control and, and, and kind of create a better situation for him. But the next one is, it's not his fault, I don't think, which is his positioning. I'm not a big fan of the way he's being used with Kamavinga there. I think uh, Kamavinga kind of covering Fran Garcia's back and allowing Fran Garcia to be kind of the attacking left winger in this system doesn't make much sense to me. I would use him, I would just use him as a traditional left back, allowing him to kind of appear and, and surprise defensive lines with his runs rather than him being a pure a pure quote unquote left winger and just stand there and create there. I, I'd rather use him as a pure left back with Kamabinga being able to to be the kind of the winger in this context. So I'm not entirely I'm not a big fan of the way Ancelotti has been using both Fran and, and Kamabinga offensively. I don't know if Ancelotti will kind of change this or not, but and this is not Frank Garcia's fault. I realize that this is something by design. This is something Ancelotti has told them to do because it's not natural for either Fran or or Camavinga to, to to be trying this this thing time and time again, play and play consistently. So these two things are the the two sides of the Fran Garcia situation that I'm not. Uh, so encouraged about, but uh, I think he is. He's been. He has been making steady progress over the the first few games of the season. So I'm I'm comfortable and I'm kind of optimistic about where he'll be able to to land after a few more games. Well, I think Fran Garcia being used the way he has been, uh, and with Kamavinga dropping back in that position quite often to make up for his positioning is in part has to do with the fact that Vinicius has been gone and we already lack uh, width in the diamond without Vinicius, that lack of width has been compounded. And now you need more from who's doing it with Vinicius though. He's doing with Vinicius. But my point is that he, now it's a more extreme scenario where we have no left winger. So we need our left back to be a left winger essentially. Right. So like you saw in, against that um in that Celta game where that's the one where Vinicius got injured, right? Right. Yeah. So he comes off and then Ancelotti brings in Joselu instead of Brahim, which was basically his two options. And then that meant like Rodrigo didn't go to the left. It was just Joselu and Rodrigo in the middle and that meant Fran Garcia was the left winger essentially. Mm-hmm. And so I I wonder what Ancelotti does in the next you know, six weeks without Vinicius. I actually was surprised, and I mentioned this on the post-game show, that Ancelotti did make the halftime sub. I thought that was like a very 
obviously it was a good decision because we won the game. His subs were great that game. You know, Cruz was amazing. But I was just surprised in the moment because I understand Fran Garcia wasn't um, wasn't incredible. And he, you know, was a little bit nervy on the ball and he was making some mistakes. But he did set up that great Jose Lu chance right. with a great yep. run. And so yep. you could see like the need for someone like that against a Getafe low block, someone who can dribble and, and create offensively. So I was just surprised. And I actually wonder, like, do you think, because Ancelotti said after the game that him bringing up Fran Garcia does not change his opinion on him. But I actually wonder, like, will we start seeing Ancelotti be like, ah, okay, this is not working, so we're going to go with Alaba and Nacho. Because we know Alaba doesn't like playing left back. Or do you think that was just an extreme scenario in that moment that probably won't be replicated and it was just... I don't know. It was it was weird to me as well. The cross substitution made change made sense and it obviously worked as you said. The Frank Garcia substitution didn't didn't seem that necessary to me. I I even asked the the PR team to, whether or not he was kind of officially injured or bothered by any kind of physical problems and they all said he was fine and this is just a coaching decision. So it was surprising to me as well because you know. This is a young player coming coming back to his uh, lifelong club, being very excited and possibly nervous in his first game back at the Bernabeu. And you kind of destroy his confidence a little bit uh, if you take him out uh, after his first mistake, which granted it was a big mistake. I mean, don't get me wrong. It co- it actually costed Real Madrid, cost Real Madrid a, a goal and maybe even some points if Bellingham doesn't come up with the game-winning goal in, in injury time. But um, to me, it's not ideal. It's not ideal to see such a young player taken out of uh, out of the game after that first mistake. All things considered, I think in those situations, situations I'm I'm a fan of showing confidence and trust in in your players after that first first mistake, you know, and maybe take take him out if that mistake keeps happening time and time again. I don't know two or three more times, but after that first mistake, I kind of want to see the coach showing these young players the trust uh, they probably need in in this context so and, and i and again substitutions overall worked but i don't think the fran garcia substitution for nacho was necessary i mean the cross one fine granted but the fran garcia substitution i think Ancelotti kind of went out of his way a little bit another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I think what Ancelotti was thinking with the sub is pretty much what we saw in the second half. Because uh, I, I think it was composure with Nacho and Alaba. Because you earlier in the podcast, I forget what word you used to describe Fran Garcia, but um, to me, the word I describe him as is, and I don't mean it in a negative way necessarily, but he is chaotic. Yeah. There is something about his energy that sometimes I think needs to be channeled. 
think back to Vinicius when he was younger. Mm, great. Attack mode constantly. Like it's just it's a good trait in my opinion because it's easier to fix that than it is to ask a shy player who has no talent who can't dribble Absolutely. Can't attack, right? Yep. And so but but I think like you saw the difference between Fran Garcia and Alaba in that situation where Al- there was like a serenity when Alaba would get the ball on the left wing. There was just something different. It wasn't an incisive dribbling necessarily, but it was maybe more stability. And of course, the other side of it was that to f- to fight some of these Katafe dogs, you needed a Nacho <laughs> who has like you know Nacho was great, yeah, yeah, a leader that you know. So there's there's that side of it as well, right? And so maybe maybe that will be, um, I don't know if less applicable is the right word in future games. I don't know if that's ha- that's necessarily true, but. You know, I'm looking at Union Berlin at home, for example, in September 20th. Uh, maybe you don't need to to worry about it as much. I don't know. So yeah, yeah. Another thing about France so far is that I don't know if this happens to you as well, but I still get a bit nervous when he gets the ball and I see the opposing team pressing him hard. I don't know why. It's just, uh, and, and this is just one mistake he's made in that um, in that particular situation. But I don't know. I, he doesn't inspire me the confidence I would like to see from a defender in this situation. I just, and it's just a personal feeling, maybe. But I just, he just doesn't inspire, inspire this kind of confidence. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about right now. It's just. Something that again, it might be personal feeling. It's just, uh, I, I, it's difficult actually for me to explain it even or, or to put into words. It's just a matter of, um, again, my personal feeling whenever he gets the ball and, and, and the opposing team is pressing him hard and, and that at that left back spot. It's just, I'm not entirely comfortable in that situation right now. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong in feeling that way because I think it's true. We've, we've seen it, right? I mean, but what I would it's say, it's not comfortable. Is- yeah. But I think it, a lot of it was nerves. Like, you know, I've watched right. plenty of Raya Vaikana last season. That wasn't really a problem. Right. So there was, like, I said it to Jose in the post-game show, that game against Katafe reminded me a little bit of the first game against Athletic, where it was, the Athletic game was his Real Madrid debut. The Katafe game was his Bernabeu debut. And so, you know, those are two situations like, you know, it's his, it's his boyhood club. He wants to impress, you know. Um, so so I, I'm going to chalk it up to nerves and then right. assume that he will figure it out, basically, is is my, right. my hope. Also, I big also, game player with oh, Rio, too, against Atleti and yeah. Barca was amazing last right. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not entirely concerned. I think he'll be fine as long as soon as he completes one overall very solid performance. You know, once he delivers his first assist after a great run, I think he's he's capable of that. Obviously, he's shown that for for Rayo and uh, in two seasons actually. So I'm I'm fine. I think I think he'll be fine. It's just a matter of him kind of settling down and realizing that he belongs. I think he just needs to come to the realization and and the and acknowledging the fact that he belongs in this club. He doesn't have to go out of his way and prove anything. He's uh, he's done that for Rayo already. He he just needs to calm down and 
and realize and acknowledge the fact that he belongs in this club and that he's good enough to play and be serviceable. I'm not talking about him being a start for Real Madrid, but just fulfilling and, and completing his role and, and playing his part in, in this team. He's definitely good enough for that. I think he just needs to to acknowledge that fact. Well, when you even think about Marcelo in his early years, right? you think about Carvajal, you know, up until 2015, you remember those Juve games. Um, so it's not an easy position either. That's the other no. thing. Like it's like you're expected to contribute offensively and you also consistently will face like the best players in the world attacking you. Right. So let's give him benefit of the doubt. Uh, I just wanted to praise real quick uh, to Ameni here. I think he's been impressive mm. in this start of so the season. Good. Yeah. Even, I think he's been, you know, quite possibly one of my highlighted players during this first few games of the, of the season. And I, I think it's, I just think it's fair for me to, to acknowledge this after, you know, I possibly was the, one of the most vocal um, critics of his game last year. Uh, at least in this podcast. So um, I think it's fair for me to kind of go out of my way here and acknowledge the fact that he's been showing very impressive progress and quite possibly proving his uh, role as an undisputed starter for Real Madrid. I think he's been great. Completely agree. I, I And I'll also just like highlight some other things because obviously, you know, I think it would be inarguable that Bellingham has been our best player. Well, yeah. Um, I think Chuomeni's importance in terms of doing a lot of things that I think don't go notice as much as like a, what Bellingham does. But his just his importance in the defensive stability he's brought, his coverage has been really good. But also he's been very, very visible on the ball. Like he has not been shy. He has been getting so many touches on the ball and his progressive passing has been phenomenal too. Like he is great doing... to see him. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, well, because we all have like finish. questions like if Cruz doesn't play the six, do you lose that long range passing right. ability? Of course you do. But, but too many's incisive passes. Um, and I, I, I was saying this, but then I was like, well, maybe I should look at the numbers. And he's third in La Liga and passes into the final third, third in progressive passes. So it kind of backs up what I'm saying. Like he has been really good on the ball and he's had a lot of touches. He's also top seven in La Liga in. Touches on the ball. It's been very present. I've yeah. I've thoroughly enjoyed his his performances for sure. And also, this is nothing. This is uh, meaningless. But uh, you know, I kind of enjoyed watching him celebrate with the team after being taken out of the game. You saw you saw him in the huddle there in the, in the celebration after the game, winning goal, running from the bench to to celebrate with his teammates. You know, kind of we all kind of felt that he was. Cold-blooded, maybe uh, last season. You know, we didn't see him all that excited uh, during the during the games last year. Obviously, had uh, this bad decision to attend an NBA game uh, instead of watching his teammates during that Copa del Rey. Remember, kind of people questioning his commitment and his uh, his passion for the club or whatever. And I saw genuine commitment and passion uh, during that celebration. Again, this is meaningless, but this is something I noticed. When when looking at uh, at the replay of the of that celebration, I I immediately noticed the fact that he he wasn't again he wasn't in the game, but he joined the huddle 
to celebrate with Bellingham and you definitely saw the passion from him in, in that celebration. So again, this is nothing, but this is something I, I mentioned, I, I noticed and I just wanted to mention it. I mean, part of the reasons why it's called El Dia Después is because you see things like the day after that you didn't see the, during the game. I think I saw most of the stuff the night of the game. Like I saw Alaba slapping Brahim. I saw <laughs> uh, Rudiger like jumping into the jumping over the celebration by yeah, accident yeah. and into the ground. Hope, like, luckily, he didn't get injured. Missing his teammates entirely, showing yeah. leaping ability. Yeah. What I didn't see until the day after was the Rudiger punching Alaba in the celebrations, like punching oh, his ribs. Seen Have that. you seen that? Like Alaba's no, no, like no. celebrating and hugging and he goes up to Alaba and he's like just giving him punches in his ribs like this. <laughs> like, Alaba has ha, has those punches coming for a long time and he's been getting away with punching and, and slapping his teammates for pretty much two years now. I mean, it's, it's the Brahim slap some... was on another level. Like like he slapped him. It's about time him, someone kind of takes revenge on on Alaba for yeah just <laughs> mercifully mercilessly uh, punching his teammates for for two years or so. I so quick mention to Ryan. I think he his minutes were good. Hmm. I think his yeah. minutes were solid and and good. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I didn't see until today that managing which posted on Twitter was Bellingham shaking. Off is like yeah. pretending he's going for a run, but and then the, the defender goes, so he basically shakes him out the wrong way off the ball and then does the whole matador thing like to the player. <laughs> uh, there's one scene that out of all of the Getafe antics drove me nuts, and I forgot to talk about it on the post game podcast. It's at towards the end when Alvarez goes and just pushes Bellingham when Bellingham's looking at the fans. And Bellingham doesn't react, like as if to say, like you are insignificant. I, you don't deserve my reaction, which was great. But that part really drove me nuts, and I'm amazed at his Bellingham's ability to control himself there. But I, I feel like there's a few things during that play that were underrated. Excuse my kids. This is the last day they're <laughs> home before school. Um, the like if I'm like Rudiger in that situation, I would have probably just sprinted over and just f f smack him, f s up at that point and smacked him. Um, I also think if Bellingham would have just like I'm not saying I would have excused this. I, like I don't excuse diving, but if he just like Bellingham throws himself to the the ground there, I think it's a red card. That was a <laughs> stupid off ball push, like ridiculous, uncalled for. Yeah, yeah. Um. Respect to Bellingham. I, I hope he's not like eventually like it just all builds up inside of him and then one day he just pops and just Hopefully snaps. Not. Hopefully not. But I mean, he's been uh, awesome. I mean, even in his post-game quotes when he was just talking about like the Hey Jude song giving him goosebumps and he's like, I don't know what I did to deserve this. Like, So really, likable, man. Yeah, one of so the most likable stars. For. Yeah. So easy to root for, man. It's just impressive. I'm I'm all I'm already feeling lucky to have him. It's just uh again, not only he's contributing in an amazing way I didn't even expect, even though again I rated him very highly uh before the signing. I didn't expect him to to, to, to be this great this soon. But also doing it in such a likable man, it's uh, such a likable way. It's just uh, we're very fortunate to have uh, 
young player with his uh, with not only his ability but also his his attitude and his composure both on and off the field. He's just uh, tremendous. He's just tremendous. Where do you rank him in terms of the most likable superstars we've ever had? I'll have to think about this, but it's he's definitely very likable, man. He's just uh, I don't know. He's just I I have to think about this, and I I don't want to get carried away because it's been only a handful of games. Yeah. But in terms of uh, likability, he's he's definitely up there, man. He's just he's so easy to root for. I I haven't bought a. A Real Madrid jersey with uh, with a name and and a number on 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 the back for for quite some time now, and it's uh, and I think it's about time I I I, I buy a, a Bellingham replica. It's just uh, it's just so likable and so easy to root for. Yeah, kind of like that, kind of a Zidane, yeah, Mod- Modric, right? Cruz, the the really really humble superstar. But he's more flashy even than this. Uh, maybe not than not not flashier than than Zidane, who was obviously highlight real material for for many years. But I think definitely flashier than than both Modric and, and Cross in terms of his goal production and you know his celebrations all that. So he he manages to 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 score a goal. At San Mames, for example, do this kind of celebration, and he doesn't inspire this anger from the, from the opposing fans or anything. I think he's just very likable. It's just so easy to to root for and and to label him as uh, as the the best and biggest superstar Real Madrid have on the team. I think it's fair to say that he's a bigger star than Benitez at this point. I think he's. Uh, I mean, we don't have to create an rivalries about teammates for sure. I mean, this is something that is unnecessary and uncalled for. But I'm. I just think he's the best player Real Madrid have on the roster right now. Well, it's interesting because the his flashiness there's just like a simplicity to his flashiness. When you look right. at all of his goals he scored, like he hasn't been scoring golazos. Maybe the one the. Uh, I mean. I mean, yeah, like yeah. his headers have actually been amazing, and though I think one one of his goals against Athletic was the one where kind of he volleyed it, it bounced into the ground. But you look at, for example, the Getafe goal. He he knows where to be to score a goal like that. You know, there's an instinct about him um, where he doesn't need to overcomplicate it to score goals. He knows where to be. He knows how to anticipate rebounds. He knows, you know, where the ball is going. That's an invaluable art that it's really hard to teach. Um, yeah. Is it just crazy for me to say that end of the game situation needing a goal or needing, I don't know, proper playmaking? I kind of want the ball on his feet more than I want the ball on any other player. Real Madrid have on the roster more than even Vinicius, Modric, Rodrigo for sure. I Give know, the ball to him just, and get out of the way. Yeah, he's just uh, he, he has that kind of a skill set in my opinion. He's just uh, I again I'll say it again. Uh, to me, he's already the best player Real Madrid have on the roster right now, and the most reliable one as well. It's just uh, it's just that crazy of a of a skill set and uh, on a level. He's performed at uh, after just four games. He's been clutch, um, and he's so versatile. 
let's see. It's been four games, and you know we need probably a, a couple months at least to sure. see some patterns here. Like also, it's funny. It's funny. I was just gonna say it's funny because he scored five goals, and Ancelotti right. said he can score fifteen goals. I'm like, well, he's on pace for like a million goals, <laughs> but like this is unsustainable. I was yeah. going to warn people that be ready to feel disappointed if this is your actual and real expectation of Bellingham. I mean, this is unsustainable from an attacking midfielder, this kind of production. But he's uh, not playing as an attacking wise. midfielder. He's playing as a well, forward now. Right. Right. So, I don't know. I still I still think this is this level of production in I terms agree. of its stats and, and numbers is unsustainable. So, I, I just This want is to like Holland level production right now. I can't exactly. I, I can't be sustained. There's I mean, if he does, great. I'll be the first person to be like, I was wrong, but it's it would be on, really hard to sustain. On the other hand, his performance in terms of playmaking, being able to control the tempo of the game and all that might actually improve with time, you know, when he gets used to the playing style in La Liga, he gets used to to his teammates, uh, the, what Ancelotti requires of him. So maybe not from a production and, and from a numbers and, and scoring perspective, but from a from a pure performance level, his his performances might might actually improve with time. So we'll have yeah. to wait and see. Well, I also think that this year, specifically the 2023-2024 season, I don't think he'll be playing this advanced after this season. Mm-hmm. Like, realistically, logically speaking, we're getting a striker next season, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Are we? <laughs> we have to be. There's no way that because everyone's like, okay, summer of 2024. I mean, that's got to be the summer. Hendrick's coming. <laughs> well, man, you saw the end, the tackle Hendrick suffered wow. last night. Nasty. I yeah. feel like there should be a level of something beyond a red card for those moments. Yeah, because that could have broken his leg. It doesn't belong in the game. And it that's could have not a foul. snapped his leg, literally. That's not a football foul. You're yeah. trying to injure the player. Yeah. You're not trying to stop the counterattack, which is what every single defender in the world should be doing. I mean, you should definitely, like, for remember the Valverde file against, uh, was it Atletico in that uh, Super, Spanish Super Cup final? Yeah. That's a, that's a hard file, and he's trying to make sure that, you know, Morata cannot score in that context, which, which is what any kind of midfielder yeah. or defender but should do. But that was a trip. Exactly, that's a trip. Then, yeah. And it's a red card as well. And this yeah. is, but again, it's on an entirely different level than what yeah, this the was something different. Corinthians defender was trying to do. He, you can definitely sense that he's trying to injure him. Yeah. 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 I was going to say get him out of there and get bring him here, but it's probably worse than Spain. Oh, yeah. If you, you play, play him with Castilla, remember. Oh, or, Castilla, or, or, well, brutal. Or, Castilla is just a bunch of angry men who are jealous of yeah. your footballing abilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and contract, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to wait and see about Bellingham's position as well. I, from a scoring perspective, if you put him in the midfield, his, uh, his numbers will drop. Mm-hmm. But maybe his uh, overall contribution to the team will, will be better. Uh, Possible. Uh, he's, he's that good, man. He's that good of a player. Well, Cristiano never played striker. I mean, not... Not earlier on in his career, anyway. I mean, he kind of adapted later, but you know, so he was scoring from the wing. We'll see. Uh, he's just that good that uh, I think right now at this point you have to build your team around him. If he's 
like you actually have to ask him, hey, where do you want to play? And then build your entire team about that answer. You know, if he wants to play attacking midfielder and he says, hey, I'm comfortable where I'm playing right now, you have to build your team around that uh, answer in that context, no matter, you know, how that affects the other player. And granted, I think this is what Ancelotti has done so far, because I think the diamond formation is obviously because of Bellingham. Well, it's funny because uh, Matt was saying in preseason that like, yeah, this diamond accentuates Bellingham, but it compromises somewhat your best player, Vinicius. And it does, yeah. Yeah, And I agreed with him. Uh, I agreed with the idea that, sorry, I agreed with the Vinicius best player part. <laughs> I kind of, I don't know anymore, but I think it's like, I don't, I agree with you. It's not meant, I don't want to pin at all the two of them against each other. There are teammates. I, but I think they're, I don't know if I'd put Bellingham above Vinicius, to be honest. I would just say that I think they're equal superstars. The challenge now is how do you get the best of both of them together and yep. to, so that they can accentuate each other. And it probably, I think it probably lands on something like a 4 2 3 1, some, uh, something like that. Need a striker for that, though. <laughs> you need a striker. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say this before we close. Ewan had rave reviews of the new Bernabeu. Of course, he attended on behalf of Managing Madrid. Had high some high praise. He said the the roof adds a it makes it feel like different inside. Like it's it's a different atmosphere. And of course, the fans are back behind the goal. That's huge. Um, I don't know what else he said. I actually haven't spoken to him. <laughs> I just saw his tweet <laughs> and some WhatsApp messages. Uh, but yeah, it looks looks cool. I don't know. Yeah, you seem skeptical. Are you skeptical? Oh, you! I forgot you don't like the new Bernabeu. You, you didn't like a, the design. I'm, I'm not a big fan. I, I actually like the the design and the renders when they were coming out and all that, and when the project was accepted and and signed. The, uh, the roof, as great as it looks, isn't the same as it was supposed to be. I remember the hmm. roof was going to be this metallic layer, and is it completely finished though? Maybe the I'm I'm maybe not there's sure. a casing that goes on top of it as well. Hopefully, I don't Hopefully. know. I'm just because there's um, this is far. It's actually far from the finished product, so there's a lot. Oh yeah, left it, to do. as it should be. As it yeah. should be. Yeah, yeah it's I'm, not finished. Again, I'm not a big fan of the project overall. In terms of a pure personal taste and preference of of the design, it's just I'm not a big fan of how it looks. I'm not that the impressed. The aesthetics, specifically. Yeah, the, the aesthetics. Well, and, and and the whole thinking of, you know, not increasing your seating capacity. Just, it's just a, a wasted opportunity, in my opinion, to increase your capacity by 5K, 10K, maybe. And just, that's another way of increasing your revenue. I'm not an expert, obviously, but again, just uh, I'm not a huge, huge fan of the of the whole project overall. Both the aesthetics and and the idea of not increasing your capacity even in even a little bit. Right. I so I'm not I'm no architect, but uh, I think I think they they decided to focus on increasing revenue rather than seats. And of course, you could argue, well, you increase seats Can and you increase do both? revenue. But maybe there was a situation where they couldn't, ju- they couldn't actually, for whatever reason, increase the seating 
without like sacrificing some of the retail component where they may probably make more in the shopping part of it than they would in those seats. And it could Why? be something well, like that. I mean, I, we would probably need an architect to explain this yeah. to us, but why can't you build a different, like another row or column of seats above the ones you already have and keep the whole marketing? Well, how could you, how much thing? could you realistically add? Like 5,000? Five to 10,000, I assume. Yeah. Which puts you closer to what you know NFL teams, big college teams in the U.S. are are doing at the moment, and I think Real Madrid would have no issues filling that stadium up in big games. Obviously, in big midweek games, yeah. games against Getafe would be in, an issue for those uh, top level uh, seats, but in, in big games, I think they'll you'll have no issue. You have your revenue increased, and again, I don't see why uh, you cannot keep the whole uh, marketing and, and revenue thing intact by increasing also or adding a, another uh, five to 10 rows above what you already have in this, uh, in this project. If an architect comes to me and say, Hey, we cannot do it because this and this and this and this, I have to agree. But from a logical standpoint, I don't see why this was an option. Yeah. I, I can tell you. Um, no expert. Maybe they just couldn't. <laughs> I don't know. And why. also, one thing I want to see is the the pitch and the grass staying in good condition now. Hopefully, mm. yeah. Hopefully, they figure it out now. Hopefully, I mean it's climate controlled now. I mean, I would assume that it's just easier to do that now. So, yeah, you know, it has you don't to have be a... figured out. Well, you think about like the the insane rain in Madrid this weekend, and the fact that right. they actually can cover it and it doesn't affect the grass now, it doesn't get flooded. It seems. Seems seems like a good thing. Uh, all right, Lucas, I got to run. Uh, it's yep. nice to have you back on the podcast. We'll catch you for mailbag Thursday. I think Friday would be better for me. Okay. It will, if it works for you anyway, Friday, uh, Thursday is a little, looks a little bit busy for me now. Okay. Friday mailbag over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. If you want to submit questions, you can do that through our discord channel. I'm actually going to start including the Discord link in the show notes so you guys can click on it directly and join our Discord. It's a ton of fun. And yeah, we'll catch you on Friday then, Lucas. Thanks, man. Good chatting. Thanks, Ken. Yes, All sir. Right. Bye. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.